Welcome to another rep of the Double Shot. Kaz, you had a, a hot coffee to start. I just burnt my tongue as you were doing the intro, and um, I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna get it together for you, for us, for our listeners. I'm gonna get it together. All right, question off the top. This will this will cheer you up. Oh. If you could invite three people over to dinner, people you don't know, obviously, people that aren't your friends, because I'd like to hope you're going to pick your th- three closest friends if you had to pick anyone. But For three sure. people that you, you don't know, um, they could be famous, they could just be random people you've always wanted to meet, they could just be people that you want to have a good laugh with. Uh, who would you invite over for dinner? Three people. Uh, now, now, I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to assume they can be dead or alive. This, I'm now playing by my rules because you didn't stipulate. So Ooh. number one would definitely be Frank Sinatra. He would have some of the best stories and I just believe he lived in such an unbelievable era. I'd love to hear from him. Mm-hmm. Um, one that I thought of uh, before because you and I had a light chat about this the other day, but I would love to have Jim Carrey at dinner. Alrighty then. I think Ooh. he would be great. He's yep. very philosophical. He's very funny. I'd love to get to know more about the the man behind the theatrical funny. Mm-hmm. And um, this is a little bit of a nerdy one, but there's a guy called Theodore Herzl who basically took took um, all of the the Jewish community around the world back into Israel in the late 1800s and read a book, I don't know, about a year ago about him and it, it was really fascinating. So I would just love to have dinner with Frank Sinatra, Jim Carrey and uh, Theodore Herzl. That, that was a bit nerdy. And there was a few more on the periphery but, you know, don't worry about it and I won't get into those. I'd love to know your three. I have a feeling mm. I've got an idea but please surprise me. Well, no, if we're now going living and or non-living, <laughs> You I, never I, 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 I change. I would love, like, just quietly, I would love Frank Sinatra and Dean Martin to oh. come over for dinner. Like, could you imagine? I don't know if you've ever listened to Frank Sinatra uh, live at the Sands in, I think it was 1966 or something, but Dude, he just has these vinyl. random random riffs where he just, just oh chats God. to the audience and takes the yes. piss and has a laugh. One of it. Easily the most charismatic person that's ever Absolutely. lived. Absolutely. Sorry, but just on that, somebody in that in that exact album, he's wrapping up, and the crowd can tell he's wrapping up, and someone yells out, "One more!" and he goes, "One more what? That's what I'm gonna be saying to the bartender in a minute." <laughs> it's so good. So, so yeah, sorry, he's my number so one. Look, that, he, he would be great. I would go with um, Steve Jobs. Absolutely. Ooh. Just love to love to yeah. hear about, you know, he literally changed the world. Um, so just to mm. hear the inner workings of all that uh, and mm. just, yeah, get the insight. I, I mean, Gatesy's still alive. Gatesy. Uh, yeah, I just think Steve Jobs would be a little bit more interesting than Bill Gates. Um, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, for me, oh. I love that he that he was, you know, elite bodybuilder and athlete, mm. um, elite actor and then and then politics. Like yeah. he's just done everything and, and I just yeah. find him to be uh, such an impressive human being. Did you read his book? Is that why he's in your top yeah, three? Did you read loved, yeah, you his, did? In loved fact, I, I listened to his book. I would Audio. recommend anyone who does think about reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's book listen to it because he narrates it and it makes it even better. Wow, 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 wow. Love it. And then I was I, I was going to go with Taylor Swift, but I actually I had a thought as you were speaking um, mm. about your your examples. 
I'd love to get Jacinta Ardent. Uh, I reckon oh. I, I really like Jacinta Ardent. I, I would like to, yeah, pick her brain. Snooze. I think she's a pretty pretty impressive. Uh, I know that doesn't bode well for your right-leaning <laughs> political lens. But, uh, no, I just, yeah, snooze. No, Jacinta Sorry. Ardent. Yeah, that, that'd be mine. Yeah. No, I'm glad. I, look, I, I had actually on the periphery Janis Joplin as well, which shows Ooh. my musical background, and um, and and she was she was a female that I would love to meet. So, um, I, I just want to mention that as well because they were were all blokes. But look, it just just ha- happened to be how it was. But a very good lineup. I think you and I have immaculate taste. <laughs> if you say so yourself. <laughs> Land tax, we actually, we really touched on it last week and a few people reached out to us and said, look, you know, what What do you mean I don't have to pay it if I go into different states? <laughs> and we were like, oh, well, you know, yes and no. So maybe we should unpack that a little bit in this episode because, but I love to say land tax, is it an avoidable expense or is it just a cost of doing business as a property owner? Look, and it's both. Look, it is somewhat, somewhat avoidable. And it's avoidable in the sense that it is a state-by-state <laughs> state tax. No state takes into account the value of land that you own in another state. So, for example, Queensland can't bring in your New South they Wales tried. They tried tax. and they failed. They, they tried. They did try that for a while. Sneaky buggers. Uh, but I think it is a, a cost of being a, a landowner which mm. is not a bad thing. So I think it's it's certainly not a bad thing if you pay land tax. Um, but I think, uh, you know, it's a really wise thing to do to try and own property in different states for the reasons we mentioned in last week's podcast, uh, but also as a way to uh, avoid paying land tax as long as you're able to uh, by staying below their thresholds because every state has a threshold where mm. if you own less than a certain dollar amount of land, you don't pay land tax. And then above the threshold, normally you're paying about one. It's different in every state, but it's sort of half to two percent. Um, so it, it certainly can add up in and, and become in the thousands of dollars. Yeah. Um, you know. So so look, it, it is something that that is a cost. Um, tax deductible though, which is maybe one positive. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, that is that is one positive. I mean. Another positive too is that they are they do seem to be reviewed every few years. I mm. mean, New South Wales bumped theirs up, recognising their median house price was going super high, so pretty much put every landowner in the land tax threshold. Um, I can't remember what theirs was, maybe around the sort of six fifty mark, and it's gone up to eight hundred and twenty two thousand. So, you, new, using New South Wales as an example. Um, you can own up to $822,000 worth of land value. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be across two properties. It might be just in one property or you might just own a really significant property um, that is well over that threshold and you're already in that that land tax. But basically when you own over that value, then you start to pay and it's yep. sort of um, calculated based on how much more you own uh, than the threshold. Um, so, uh, other examples, uh, Queensland, you can own up to $600,000 of land before you're taxed on your land. South Australia, 534,000. Geez, that's gone up. Yeah, I I think that actually might be a typo. I think it's, it's more like 250,000. I'm just trying to look that up. I thought it was 250 as well, but they have Mm. had a massive property boom. Uh, Tassie, a hundred grand. Interesting. Victoria, 300,000. That's gone up. 
50,000. Uh, pretty recently in WA, you can own up to $300,000 of land as well. So whilst you're looking that up, Carson, feel free to interrupt me. What this means is that you could own potentially one property in New South Wales, for example, one property in Queensland, one property in Victoria and one in SA, and you could be getting under the radar of all thresholds and therefore not paying any land tax. Now, yes, as your land value grows in value and it is recognised by the state, you may eventually click over into the threshold, but, you know, that could be some time. And in that point, you'll have a lot of equity in your home as well. How'd you go? You, you like madly seem to be scrolling and, there. Yeah, it does seem to be 534000 uh, Should have it's done got, a bit more like research. It, um, it, you don't pay land tax in the territories as, a, as an FYI, so uh, ACT, Northern Territory, you won't pay land tax. It kicks in as low as $100,000 in Tasmania, ouch, and 300000 in uh, Victoria uh, and <laughs> like WA. You weren't, you weren't listening. You were looking at your thingos because I've just quoted all of those. So you've, done a, um, you've done a bloke's thing there. Sorry, nice. Uh, what, what, I, what I will say, though, is um, don't uh, confuse the land tax value with the actual uh, amount that you pay for the land because uh, it goes off the value of the land that's on your rates notice and it is normally less than, you know, uh, the actual value that you might pay for the land. Don't worry about it. It's not the market yeah, value. It's not. And and I I think we, we're going a massive rabbit hole to try and explain why that happens. It's very confusing. It's a good yep. thing though because you generally don't pay uh, as much as, as you would if they use the actual value of the land. Oh, um, yeah. You want it to be low, which is a conflicting feeling, but... I reckon we've done pretty true. well to chop out seven, eight minutes of land tax. Sorry if we've lost you so far. Hang in, hey. with, hang in there. We've still got more interesting stuff throughout the rest uh, of the podcast. And, and the last thing I just want to say is you don't pay it if it's your own home. True. It's only a cost of an investment property. Just FYI. Don't freak out if you just bought your own ocu- owner-occupier. It's all good. Easily one of the more common questions I get is for people who might be fortunate enough to own their home and be looking to buy a new home, mm-hmm. they're uh, fortunately able to either sell their current home or keep it and turn it into an investment property. What do you reckon when it comes to that as a strategy and option? Is it is it the best thing to do and what uh, sort of changes your view as to whether it is or isn't the right thing to do for someone? Okay, so I mean, what change? What, the, the the initial questions that I would ask somebody asking me this question is, well, you know, well, I guess what's the value and what's the debt of your current home? Is it is it a sexy owner occupier? You know, like I think sometimes converting our own homes into investment properties is is a little bit too emotional. Now, unless you bought your current home as a first home buyer or a, an early inv- investor with the intention to always make that an investment property, you know, and it's going to be a good workhorse for you. Um, mm. Let's assume let's assume option B, you've bought it. Um, it's it's pre- pretty simple. It's not super sexy. You know, it's not uh, really debt cumbersome, let's say that, um, and you have the affordability to be able to go and buy a second property and hold both. Uh, I think that using the equity tax deductibly to go and buy your second property is a fantastic way to go. Now, like it's it's not a one size fits all, but I think that's a fantastic thing to do because 
when you sort of sell and buy again, that's kind of a, a version of simple interest in a way because you're selling in that market and you're buying back in that market. And the, the entry and exit prices of property are so expensive that mm. I just sort of think, well, if you can avoid that, unless, you know, you can't afford it, that's different, um, then, then hold both of the assets. You do uh, have and, to and buy the second one. You do have to be careful though, because um, it it isn't as simple as you borrow against an investment property and all the debt against that investment property is tax deductible. It goes off the purpose of the debt. So you know, I think I think I, mm. I agree with you. The cost of getting in and out of real estate is so high that you want to avoid selling wherever you can. Um, but a lot of people do fall into the trap of say you've got a, a million dollar home that you owe. 500,000 on, and you're going to go and buy another million dollar home. So you're thinking, well, I've got a lot of equity in my current home. I'll turn that into an investment, borrow against it and go and buy the other home. The problem is that any debt that you borrow against the home that you're turning into an investment property, because you've used it to buy the home that you're going to live in, it's not Mm. tax deductible. So I think, you know, a good thing for, for people, as you say, if that's your goal, from day dot, what you're better off doing is putting an offset um, uh, savings account in place, put all your money in the offset and then just use that offset money to go and buy uh, the next place. A lot of people have done that really successfully and and it's a no-brainer if you've owned a house for five or 10 years, because it's probably worth a lot more. So, you know, you're going to, you're going to have good equity in there. It's going to, it's going to probably be an an effective property for you. Mm. And, And the only other thing we haven't really mentioned, but should touch on is capital gains tax. You know that that is a factor to come into play when you when you sell. Um, you only pay capital gains tax when you do sell. Now you don't yep. you don't pay it on your principal place of residence. Um, but if you want to turn that property into an investment and it was your principal place of residence um, and sell it later, you will pay capital gains tax. So something to consider. Uh, and I think the main takeaways from those three things are number one: can you afford it? Um, and can you make it tax effective? Um, so that'll be a little bit, I guess, of a broker conversation and a little bit of an accounting conversation. But if you ask a, at a broker, like, how can I make this tax deductible? Um, you know, they mm. should have a pretty good idea of oh, what you mean to then structure it accordingly. And I think too, you, you, an accountant would say, and I'm not an accountant, but an accountant would say, get it valued when you move out. Because yeah. any value uplift from when you bought it to when you move out, you don't pay capital gains on no matter how long you hold it. So it is a, you know, it's a, it's a very effective way if you can afford to do both. Luxury if you're in that position. Luxury. Absolute luxury. Okay, so clearly you feel as though we <laughs> have not had enough controversy on our Facebook page lately. You... you <laughs> You're not getting enough notifications from all those people who um, who what they take us to task on. What what was that um, video that we did that we oh, were we copying that, we were copying grief about for like eighteen yeah. months afterwards. Yeah, we we said um, that interest rates uh, being the lowest in history meant that housing was more affordable than ever than the nineties, which right. which was true based on repayments. But apparently, you know, literally copped. Apparently, we're um, an affordability trolls. Cop trolls for 18 yeah. months on that one. Yeah. And, and you're about to go there again because you're going <laughs> to say, and I'm with you on this, uh, I should say, it's team effort, why we shouldn't be worried about interest rates going up. And I agree, we shouldn't be worried. Everyone is worried. But plead for me, if you will, madam, 
Why shouldn't we be worried? Okay, here's what I'm going to start out with, right? When you when you open your weather app and you have a look at the next seven days, some days it's going to be sunny, some days it's going to rain, and guess what? You have no fucking control over it. <laughs> but what you do have control over <laughs> sorry, is... Sorry for the language warning that was not in our podcast before we started. I, I said far as in F-A-R-K, so it's technically not swearing. So I think we'll actually get through the, the Spotify guidelines there. <laughs> Keep going. Just kidding. Joe Rogan swears all the time. Anyway, I'm, what I'm saying is what you can do is worry about it, at what you can't control, or you can go and figure out what you can control and then be as informed as you possibly can, right? Um, you and I talked the other day about what interest rates were 10, 11 years ago when we both bought. Um, I don't know about you, and I'll throw to you in a moment. I went back and looked at my first loan with NAB. I bought a property in Queensland. I didn't really know much about what I was doing. I just knew that I had to buy a property. And my interest rate uh, was 5.3% at the time. Seemed, seemed lovely. No worries. That's okay. What was yours? Do you know? Um, it was it, it was high sixes and the Reserve Bank cash rate, I, I bought my first property in January 2012. Um, the Reserve Bank cash rate was 4.25%, so that's 3.6% as we record. There and uh, by December it had dropped to 3%. So it, it oh. doesn't hang around at the top end of, of you know, like interest don't stay high for interest rates don't stay high forever. I agree. Totally. And I mean, I think the twenty year average is somewhere around the five to six percent. Um, so like we're we're sort of sitting around the twenty year average. So I think you've just got to look at your portfolio and your property properties and be as effective as you possibly can on your cash flow. Because whilst we're all complaining about interest rates, we're all having in extreme increases on the rents that we're getting everybody so it's like well you know hang on a hang on a damn second you're worrying and complaining about rates whilst you're going through some of the biggest cash flow booms that you know some states have seen in a very long time where we've had 10 to 18 percent rental growth um, which far out exceeds um the the interest rate growth so look i mean where do we go from here I mean, you've, my, you've, let, you've put the bait out. I've taken it. I've taken it. Yeah, my 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 perspective is it you know, is on it, and and I'm you know I've got seven investment properties plus my own home, so I, I feel it as well. None of them are in fixed rates so right I. now. That's um, a good point. Well, my I feel perspective. Too. My perspective is nine out of ten years you're going to have normal interest rates. You know, four to five percent. I, I would say nine 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 out of ten years. Uh, the other period, of, you know, one in, in every 10, they're going to be slightly higher or slightly lower and, and you're going to get a bit of both. Um, the quote that I, I love, which um, was given to me when I first bought by um, uh, someone that I worked with at the time, actually, yeah. said, and it was from a guy called Dennis Waitley and it was, expect the best, plan for the worst and prepare to be surprised. And, and it's so true. Like you should always make sure you can afford the properties and afford your investments in of the course. times of really high interest rates. But don't expect interest rates to be high all the time because they're, they're not going to be and you're going to miss opportunities if, if that's the sort of outlook that you take. So bear in mind that, yeah, not nine out of 10 years, you're going to have fairly normal rates. You just got to get through some of those periods where they are high, but but rates go up, go down, and mm. most of the time they'll be 4 to 5%, which is, you know, roughly you're not going to be too too much out of pocket on your, on your rents and, and whatnot. 
totally. And and look, I'm not saying just cop it and get over it. I'm saying roll up your sleeves and it's time to hustle. And you and I are both doing that right now. I'm refinancing yeah. a couple of loans. You know, I've got one at 7.8% that I'm refinancing to a new bank. It's taking me months, but it'll get down to sort of that 5.5%. Um, so it can be done. You just have to hustle. Yeah. Um, so right now, when I say hustle too, you, you can wrestle with the banks don't tell me that you can't. Sometimes it just depends who's picking up the phone at the yeah. other end of the line at the bank. And, and you and I have had actually a stark contrast on one experience with the same lender. Mm. Um, so, so remember that. And, you know, go in fully armed, like go and suss out your information. You know, if you have a loan with ANZ and you can see that they're advertising online, um, that they're giving significant cashbacks or really low rates to their new customers and you're an existing customer, call up and say, I, I'm an existing customer, I bloody want that. And sometimes they'll say no, 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 until you've literally got to the point where you're jumping ship and you've, you know, put put in your uh, your leave form. <laughs> um, what's it called? Your uh, Discharge. Your discharge form, leave form. <laughs> And, and then they get their retention department to call you, right? So and they're just going to yeah. say no, no, no till the very end. And take your business elsewhere if they don't want just it. Just do it. Like that's that's loyalty tax. You know, you're going to get charged up the wazoo if you feel loyal to a bank. Sorry, but they, they ain't loyal to you. So I agree. Leave. Now, what else can we do uh, on the other side? We can push rents. Yep, and and increase your income. We we talked about uh, a couple of pods ago now. The fact that um, it, you know sometimes it is you you've got to change jobs or you got to you know really try and improve your mm. income, which is a fact. You know we've all got to try and be seeking to to grow as as we do. And and the reality is most property investors who have successfully grown big portfolios have found a way to increase their income over time as well. Now I'm not I'm not saying you know. 10% a year or anything like that, but just gradually inch it up uh, as you go. Find ways to add a little bit more value to your employer and, and just increase your inc- income to offset some of those increasing costs. Absolutely. And a, a plethora of jobs on Facebook and, and Airtasker, odd jobs that, um, you know, you can do if, if you are really concerned. Um, and, and I guess sort of one of the last ones I'd say is, you know, be really diligent with like all of your expenses and, and all of your, I guess, tax deductible items. You know, are you claiming everything that you could or, or do you know, are you not diligent enough or, or disciplined enough with yourself? You've probably bought many things, even for your home office or you know, anything that's work-related that you can uh, put into your tax. And likewise, for your properties, are you claiming absolutely everything? And maybe you don't, you're not going to know unless you're informed enough what you can claim or you have a really great accountant who is very well-versed in property tax um, because all of those little things help and they all add up. There you go, Alex. That'll give you some entertainment for the back end of 2023 on the social medias. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> we'll look forward to hearing all of the backlash on that one. Interest rates don't matter. Don't worry about the forecast. Just turn up the music and have a bloody blast. All that rhymed. Ooh, let's finish there. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. 
A little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter. Okay, a lot of banter. You can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the double shot dot podcast. That, my friends, is the double shot dot podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.